Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we're going to sit down and talk with the University of Tennessee's head swimming and diving coach, Matt Kredich. And Matt's going to talk about the four-year plan versus the one-year plan. Uh, swimming is obviously a different sport than what you know many other Olympic sports are like in the sense that it's an individual sport that scores for the team. And Matt is going to share what the quad plan is that he uses with his student-athletes out in Knoxville and uh, how that changes based on when they come in, you know, whether they're going to be a freshman this year and they have four years to prepare or a freshman in two years and they only have two to prepare uh, for trials in the Olympics. It's really some cool stuff, guys. That he's, he's really open and honest about how he motivates athletes, how he figures out what stressors are best for them, how they monitor them, all these things. Matt is an absolute rock star and uh, I can't thank him enough for sharing so openly and honestly as he did, I hope you guys enjoy this talk as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Matt, thanks for being on with us today, buddy. It's great to have you, Jay. It's uh, actually great to see your your bearded face. Yeah. Your uh, your Skype picture looks a little different than the, the reality. Yeah, well, you know, every now and then the, the seasons change and we need a different little look here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we just finished... Uh, one of the quads, one of the four-year periods leading in between Olympics and dealing with the aquatic athlete and the college level, you're working in both the yearly process and the four-year process. So let's talk first about how those two work together. Yeah, that's um, you, you, you kind of have to overlay um, the, the college career with their goals as far as any kind of international success might go. And, you know, for some people, uh, talk of the Olympics is not really um, inspiring to them because it's a little intimidating. Um, I've seen, and it's probably more common with female athletes, I've seen women who I think should be, you know, thinking of themselves as a potential player in the next Olympic games, who, as soon as the Olympics are mentioned in terms of them, they, they get a little bit panicked. Um, so in, in some ways what the planning that I do as a coach has got to be, uh, a little bit ahead of where they see themselves. Um, and so for some athletes, it's important for me to anticipate, that at some point between now and uh, Olympic trials, they're, they're going to be ready to say, okay, I want to be a player here. Um, for others, it's really clear when they come to Tennessee that that's what they want to pursue. They want to pursue 
uh, peak performance either at Olympic trials or at the Olympic Games. And uh, so in the time that we have, th th that plan looks a little bit different uh, for somebody who's going to be, let's say, um, a, a college athlete for three years before the Olympic Games, two years or one year. Um, and also in this case, uh, with our freshmen now, four years. I, so they're in a unique position. I'm recruiting to another position where people with Olympic aspirations are going to have three years here. Um, and then we'll, you know, continue to, to talk about what a two-year plan looks like and what a one-year plan looks like. Um, for others, the, the, um, whether it's the Olympic games or not, um, the, the plan looks fairly similar. And in that sense, the, the first year is really all about, uh, assessing how they respond to different types of training. Um, I think that the question that we have to ask of everybody all the time is what's the best next step to get them where they want to go? And for ones that we haven't coached before, we, we have to do some assessment. Um, we've got to put them where we think they're going to fit best and then watch really carefully to see how they respond to different kinds of training. Um, if they are really um, aggressive or high responders in a positive way, that's great. If we see them failing then I think it's important to, uh, to figure out why they're failing. Like, have they never seen this before? Do they not understand it? Are they not getting adequate recovery? Um, or, or is it an inappropriate stress? Um, and so if we can accumulate that kind of information over the course of a year, then it's a lot easier to, to, to then, okay, let's look ahead and build a model for that particular performance um, with some information on how they respond to the different types of training that we've given them and figure out, okay, with the time left, what's, what's the best way to, uh, what's the best way to apply those stresses in a sequential order to create the kind of performance we want. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's really, um, a constant, we need a lot of feedback, uh, both in terms of their, their motivation and their, um, their responsiveness. And then we, we have to make adjustments as we go along. No, and that's a ton of huge points Yeah. that no matter what you're doing coaching-wise, whether it's a strength coach or a sport coach, there's a ton of things that we can, we can jump back here and go over. First, let's talk about the identifying process when it comes to what stressors or what exercises or what even like races you're going to have these kids in and how that builds off of there. Okay. So like one stress might be, um, let's, let's take what they're doing on land and, um, th their background is pretty important there. Uh, we, we want to know how, how, how they think of strength training, resistance training. Um, we want to see how they move. Um, we've started using uh, Fusionetics as kind of an assessment tool. Uh, are you familiar with that? Mm -hmm. um, and and that's been really valuable for us to to take a look and see where their relative strengths and weaknesses are, what what their their postural issues might be, um, and so we can we can use that as a little bit of a framework to to see what, what we should either emphasize or avoid in terms of land training. But on a, a more general, um, from a more general viewpoint, 
if they haven't had a lot of um, experience in multi-joint movements, um, then we, we're, gonna, we're not going to load them much at all in the very beginning of the season. And we'll, we'll watch and see how they move. We'll watch and see how, they, um, how they, they start to operate, especially under a little bit of fatigue, you know, just the fatigue of volume, either volume in a practice or accumulated volume over a week. And five weeks in, six weeks in, I guess right now, um, starting to see some of that deterioration. We have a group right now that learns really well. Um, many of them have, you know, pretty good uh, experience in, especially, you know, more athletic movements. Not not anything on machines, but um, what what I don't know what swimmers and swim coaches have traditionally called quote, dry land, which is like med ball movements, um, lunge, multi-directional lunges, uh, you know, overhead squats, um, uh, just, you know, squat jumps. Uh, and so like those movements are relatively common in swimming, but, uh, if they haven't been taught well, then you see the, the technique really deteriorate over, um, over a period of time of, of, uh, accumulated fatigue. And so it's really important to, for, for me to see that because that, that means in some ways they're slipping back into their old habits, what their old habits, uh, uh, the trigger for those, those old habits is, is, um, is fatigue. And so, so that's when my attention sort of gets, uh, um, get, gets focused in on, all right, what, what is this athlete actually, um, what are they valuing when it comes time to, to deal with fatigue? What, what is their value system? Just get this stuff done or is their value system? All right. Um, there is a right way to do things and I'm not going to slip below that, that level of expectation or performance, um, or execution. And, like just seeing that for a swim coach on land is really valuable because we'll see some of the same issues in the water when they experience fatigue. So um, get, kind of uncovering that value system is really important. And then so w- when we see that in the pool, let, let's say um, we're, we're trying to build an, aer- a, an aerobic capacity over, let's say, eight to 12 weeks. And so if that aerobic capacity is, um, is viewed by the athlete just as work instead of um, a series of uh, a, a lot of repetitions of excellent technique with a, with a specific energy output, um, then that, that athlete is going to kind of groove the wrong uh, muscular patterns. And so they need to be coached a little bit differently. We, we need to stay on top of them and um, – and actually, you know, dig in and maybe try to change that value system just through education. You know, like, is this is this what you want to be practicing? Is this what you want to um, get better at? And if it's if there's somebody that's capable of taking ten strokes per length in a twenty in a repeated aerobic twenty five freestyle or um, longer distance freestyle, and they take thirteen, then what we're we're, we're, we're getting the right work metabolically, but in terms of, um, practice, we're, we're not doing what we want to do. So, um, 
So that is one particular reaction to stress that actually doesn't really have a lot to do with um, with their their body's receptiveness to the stress. It's really more of a kind of uh, it's a nervous system uh, brain value system issue, and and to me that's one of the most important things that we need to address early on because if we can change those values then the quality of their practice is going to change dramatically and that's that's a multiplier right i mean it's a um if if they can view practice in a way that's going to enhance the value of each additional practice 10 percent for the rest of their career well that's something that we want to get on pretty early um so so that that's just one example if, if it's somebody who you know we've been using uh the whoop system to monitor um recovery sleep uh heart rate variability if we see over a period of time that the, those recovery scores are are diminishing um th then we probably want to just take a look at the total volume and say all right let's maybe cut this out in some way um if we see a repeated pattern of um diminished performance or recovery scores let's say on thursdays and they never come back on friday and saturday and they're not really starting at a higher level the next monday um, then we can change the structure of the week and and we and in some cases we've seen what we do wednesday may need to be much more of a uh, a lighter load um uh recovery oriented stuff like uh yoga or um really low end aerobic work, really high uh, speed, low repetition um, nervous system work. And that refreshes them for Thursday. So we, we, we take these, these various inputs and, and essentially decide, it, is this an appropriate stress? Is the stress enough? Is it too much? Um, and, and, and if in either case, uh, if either case is true, then what adjustments do we need to make? Um, so, again, feedback is really important in that in that process, and we we need them to be able to communicate with us honestly, and we also need to have some way to to measure feedback. And so, in that case, we we do a lot of test sets. We we do some tests regularly just to be able to monitor you know, get get a more objective measurement of performance as as well as um, you know, just, just our own eye and just their own, their own perception. Yeah, no. And I think that those are, are huge. And I think that really like the super big point in all of that is people like to do a lot of monitoring when it comes to performance, whether it be athlete tracking with catapult or heart rate or whatever. But if they're working in the right times or the right ranges which whatever those it is if they're not working efficiently yeah you know now all of a sudden you're you're training them to break down faster yeah there's no question and it's um w when they get into more of a protective mindset rather than a um a, you know let's get after this kind of an attack mindset then um we we find those whether whether the you know, the physical deterioration comes first or the mental decision to protect comes first. It almost doesn't matter because the two feed each other. And, uh, and a lot of times all it takes is a, a flip of the switch to say, you know, listen, fatigue is something that you do 
that is necessary. I mean, we, we, we need, we need to live in a state of fatigue. Otherwise your body isn't going to want to change. Like, and fatigue is actually a, 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 something that's telling you, okay, if, if you keep doing this, then your body's going to change. And that's not a bad thing. No. Right. I mean, that's what training is. We want to make changes. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you were good enough, then you'd just be good enough. Yeah. Let's just cruise then. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> So we just talked about how that plan looks. Now let's talk about how that plan can change. So when we're looking at from the, the one-year plan where you're, you're making your modifications and your adaptations, how does that affect and then become altered based on whether I'm a freshman in the class of 20, what are they, are they 21 right now? Or is um, it 2020? We're recruiting the class. 21 the, the freshmen right now are 20s yeah so what would be the difference between the 20s and then maybe the 22s um well when the 22s come in we'll have two years with them and so this process needs to be shortened and the for the 20s right now um i can take a little bit of a step back and the, the, so the goal is in some ways, the goal is always, all right, what what do we need to accomplish this year in order to keep this student-athlete progressing and excited and, um, and and give them an experience that's really rewarding for now? Because they're, they're not, and I don't think it's fair to expect a, an 18-year-old to think all the time with a four-year time horizon. So they, they want... They want to win an SEC championship now. They want to compete for a national championship now, um, and so we always have to honor that and and try to tie in the, this year's goals. But um, what, what I'm looking for with our athletes who are in the class of 2020 who are training right now is uh, the in the ideal we want to build a competitive profile of somebody who can stand up on the blocks at Olympic trials and then the Olympic games with a big smile on their face and be able to tear apart their competition. Like they're going to know how to race. They're not going to be afraid of the big stage. Um, they're going to have all of the physical qualities that, that they need to create that performance. Um, and so in building that performance and, and that confidence, um, this year we want to to build strength, build aerobic and anaerobic capacities, and then have them uh, gain the kind of competitive experience that's going to go into the library that they can draw confidence from in, in four years. In 2022, um, th this group is going to be, we're, we're going to take a look at that year as almost a dress rehearsal for, uh, for the Olympic year. While it's really important and we will identify things in the Olympic year that we need to really progress in. Um, the, the training structure of the pre-Olympic year is going to be, uh, what, what I would like for this particular class is I'd like that, that training structure to be very similar to what we're going to go through in the Olympic year. So they have some sense of familiarity. Um, we'll be able to, um, the, the changes that we make will be, well thought out in advance. We're not going to be throwing darts at a board. Um, and so, some of the competitive experiences they're going to have will be analogous. So, so 
they'll be able to, to point back a year and say, you know, I did this in, in, in April. We're going to go to Mesa, for instance, uh, for a, a Grand Prix meet. I'm going to, I'm going to swim faster in Mesa than I did last year because I've made progress in these areas. Um, with our, with the freshmen who come in in 20, in, in 2018 for the 18, 19 season, that's going to be a little bit different. Everything is going to be compressed. And so we're going to have to take that year as a learning year. Um, make sure that we're moving them forward in measurable ways and then, you know, put together the best training plan that we possibly can with the information we have um, from that year. And of course, from, from their coaches back at home. Um, and, and so we don't get the benefit really of a dress rehearsal. We, we basically get, we're going to take a shot and it'll be well-educated, but it won't be, we won't have the same kind of, uh, um, we won't have the same uh, focus in the year before that we'll have with these current freshmen. And, and that's, that, that is kind of part of the game. Um, so we'll take a look at what they need to me. The confidence is the most important thing. You know, their attitude on the blocks, we see so many people freeze, whether they're 32 year old veterans or, um, you know, 16 year old first timers, we see so many people freeze at Olympic trials. And these are people who, who have a shot, you know, they have a shot to make the Olympic team. Um, the ones who have a plan, who are lacking doubt and who have some kind of competitive experience to draw on to, to give them context and confidence. Um, those are the ones who ended up making the team this year. And, and that, that'll always be the case. So we want to put those pieces in place for everybody, but obviously the time frame is different and, and then the, um, the progression is a little bit different too. Yeah. No. And I think that another huge point that you brought up is, communicating and making sure the athletes understand what specific things they're working on and how that's going to carry over to that performance. Yeah. Are there any specific ways that you guys do that at UT? Yeah, we, we sit down at the beginning of each year and, and um, we spend the first, I don't know, six, eight weeks in identifying some, some technical priorities and so those are the, the priorities in, in the, the major events, really in all strokes, but in the major events, the, the few technical priorities that we feel like need, need to be addressed. And, um, and we have to have ways to, to measure that. Some of it's just video, um, but uh, we also have the benefit of operating in a, in a, a pool that, where the measurements never really change. Uh, you know, in a 25 yard or a 50 meter pool, uh, their, their stroke count and their time in November in Knoxville should be the same in a similar pool, um, or at least can be measured against the same, uh, pool in North Dakota in, um, you know, in June. So the, the, our ability to measure in swimming in some ways it's pretty good, at least within the confines of a, of a, um, competitive pool. Um, and so stroke count is a measurement of efficiency. And so if we ask them to make a change, uh, then we, we, we've got that distance per stroke kind of measurement. That's, that's one thing that we pay a lot of attention to. Um, we also, we, we, do use um, lactate training for some of our best athletes or lactate testing is for some of our best athletes. 
we can get a, a profile of their aerobic and anaerobic capacities and, and we can measure that against efficiency. So uh, we, we can see how they're creating um, a particular speed over, over a particular distance. And, uh, and so with those measurements of efficiency and capacity, um, we, we've got some pretty good we got some pretty good information just to see where they are. And then if we make a training decision based on that information that says, okay, this is where we want to go, then we'll retest it obviously in, in four to six weeks to see whether that was effective or not. And well, to see what effect the training did have on them. And, um, and it's, it's never exactly what we want, but it's always informative. We like, we always learn something from it. Um, and, it's important for me to, to have the athletes really understand that, like understand what, what the, the feedback in any realm means, whether it's video feedback, lactate feedback, test set feedback. Um, and then it's important for them to know how we're addressing what the information that we, or how we're utilizing the information we got um, through the next phase of training, uh, wh wh how their focus uh, can change and needs to be altered in order to really address what it is we're trying to address. Um, so that, that, you know, the, the communication with the athletes is, is really important. We try to formalize it by having, we got 56 swimmers on our team, five full-time coaches. So each athlete has a coach that they go to and we meet with them. The goal is to meet with them once every three weeks. Um, we will certainly talk to them every day in practice but i think the formal meeting is really important we just sit down and say here are the technical priorities here, here are the tactical priorities if we're into race season um here are the 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 metabolic development profile um uh changes that we're that we're trying to make and so if they understand that this is where we're headed and this is what we're trying to do then practice i think does become a lot more effective um, if they're just on the receiving end of everything and they, and we say, Hey, you know, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Then they're, you know, they're just taking it and it's not, it's not the same kind of, we're, we're not really treating them as adults and full participants in the process. Well, yeah. And then if they're just sitting there and going through the motions, cause they're doing what you're telling you, they're not invested and then you're not going to get the, the ROI to the training anyway. That's, that's so true. And, and, all the lack of investment leads to other issues like, um, you know, a little bit of doubt, disengagement and all everything that comes along with that. And that, that can, that can actually wreck a team. Oh yeah. Oh, especially a team that thrives at having to be a practice at five thirty in the morning. Yeah. There are a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things working against, uh, engagement. We got, <laughs> we got 500 hours of practice or, somewhere between 500 and 540 in a season. And, uh, you know, so, some of those hours are a lot more appealing than others. And the challenge we give to our team is um, that it, there's no one hour that's, that's any different in potential uh, uh, value than any other. But the circumstances um, around those hours are, are pretty different. And that's where your challenge lies is to, like as, as an athlete, ultimately you're the one that's got to create value for every minute of that. No doubt. Matt, some awesome points. The idea of understanding it's an N of one, 
figuring out what works for one is not going to work for others and building through that, understanding that you have a long time to train these kids for the most part. Four years is, is a good minute. That right. stress needs to be accounted for in some way, shape, or form to understand if the kid's actually getting better. Everything needs to be measurable, and it all needs to drive conversations. If those five points don't go through every level of coaching to from the basement, the weight room to, you know, the 120,000 seat football arenas, then I don't know what is. I, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all this with us today, man. This is, this is absolutely awesome. Cool. Well, it's great talking to you, Jay. And I really appreciate you having me on the, uh, I think that the, the two most important, um, reminders that, that I have to give myself and, and it, the reminders to me always come from, from failures and shortcomings. Um, and the most recent, maybe even the most painful ones, uh, are really have to do with, with, I think the last two points you made that the, the, the athlete has to be, um, that they've got us, we have to look at this as a partnership and, uh, and if I, as a coach, it doesn't matter how much I know as a coach and how well constructed my, um, program may be, uh, it, if they don't understand it and if they, if, if they sense that they're doing it for some reason other than their own, um, that this is a, an essential part of their own life, then, uh, it's not going to work. And, um, we, it, in, in a college setting they, they certainly don't view four years as a short period of time. It's, it's, it's their career. It's an entire career. And it's a, um, and, and, and for, and for me, like, I don't mind making mistakes. I do, but, but a mistake or a failure, it, there's a whole lot of information there. Um, but they really need to be talked through that. I, I think we, we as coaches of young adults right now, we, we really are seeing a, a lot more people that are not taught the value of failing and have had excuses made for them. And you see it all over, all over the place. Like excuses are made for them all the time. And, and, and that's, it's not a criticism of them, but it sure is an alarm that as college coaches, we, in order to, to produce people who are going to be ready to take on the world and, and be successful and well-educated and move our society forward, um, we, we ne- really need to engage in discussion when they fail and when, when we make mistakes that, hey, this is, we, we should have done something different here or look at what we learned here. Um, let's own it. Let's admit it. Let's learn from it and let's move forward. Um, and if that process never stops, then um, they're going to leave our institutions as as really happy people. I think. Oh yeah, and you know the the whole lesson learned of learning from your mistakes and improving on them and becoming better is something that is probably the most important one in athletics. Period. Anyway, it it, it is, and and you know I, I think the way we're wired as coaches is to to accept that and embrace it. I, I found that the conversations that I have with athletes need to be more frequent and a little bit deeper to make sure that they see that because they, they feel, you know, even in a, with a gentle, Hey, you know, that's, that's okay. Let's pick it up and, and move forward again. 
um, that may not be enough sometimes uh, because there, you know, there's shame with failure with a, with a lot of kids now, and 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 excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's that's my that's kind of, that's a big focus for me right now. No, and those are two phenomenal points, Matt. Thank you so much, buddy, and uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. This was awesome. All right, thanks a lot, Jay. Appreciate really appreciate it. it. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, see ya. And a huge thanks to today's guest, University of Tennessee head swimming and diving coach Matt Kredich, for taking the time out and talk with us today. Guys, the K-Man is an absolute rock star. I wouldn't be as involved in swimming if it wasn't for him, you know, leading me to Matt Bernie and Jeff Brown. And it's uh, I can't thank Matt enough for the impact he's had on my career, but even, you know, just as much for being as open and honest and sharing everything that he did with us today. I hope you guys can take something from the talk, whether it be how he looks at prepping his student-athletes for SECs and NCAAs versus Olympic trials and, and hopefully the Olympics, comparing that to, to our own yearly and, and our quad plan when it comes to the four-year to five-year development of our student-athletes. And guys, if you did enjoy it, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be. Remember, we're just trying to get great information out, information out there to the coaches, trying to help drive the profession trying to get better discussions and get people to ask better questions. So if you did enjoy it, please share it. And guys, we'll be back next week with another awesome guest. Thank you for being a part of everything that we do here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will see you then.